This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Don Brody, a comedian with a history degree and the host of the podcast Hilf. History I'd like to fuck. Each episode, I am joined by a new guest who has brought me a subject from history that they want to know more about. Then I hit the books, I dig deep in the annals, and stimulate. <laughs> We've covered Frankenstein, Houdini, Joan of Arc, Pompeii, the Salem witch trials, right? Ugh. Join us and find out for yourself that history is a party and everybody's coming. <laughs> Attention, the Milf and Me podcast contains strong language and open conversations about sexuality, a multitude of lifestyles, and occasional conversations of political fuckery. Your hosts, Antonio and Diana, are not certified relationship therapists. We are cynical assholes with microphones, pretty much like every other podcast. We are happy to be a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Make sure you check out this month's featured shows, the Metalhead Journeys podcast, and our show, The Milf and Me. So now with that out of the way, enjoy the show. Okay, ladies, you want to know why you're struggling to find a guy, all right? Because uh, this is something I just got sent. Someone just sent me, said, can I send you the X from my girls group chat? I said, yeah, go for it. This is just one page of five. <laughs> My Insane. Wears skinny ripped jeans. Fair enough, to be honest. Doesn't like dogs. Kind of fair enough. This one, though. Uses an iPad. Has over 1,000 followers on Insta. Doesn't have Insta or Facebook. So you're allowed to have it. Like, you have to have it. But you can only have anywhere from zero to 999 followers. Oh Is a personal Hello and welcome to the Milf and Me podcast. I'm your host, Antonio. And as you might have heard last week, Diana is taking a sabbatical. So we have our guest MILFs, a series of them. And today's guest MILF is our friend Stephanie. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Then we had you on an episode about pricey devices. We had you on an episode of Love Guru Roulette. Yes. And now you're back to fill in the hot seat for Diana. And we've got a fun topic today. But first of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, you know, it's getting crisper outside. That's been fun. And, you know, just living life. Yeah. Um, that, <laughs> that clip blew me away. Really? Like. I've got more for you. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. So the topic of today's episode is this whole new kind of trend we've been seeing on TikTok and Instagram and all the other social medias. X. All of a sudden, there's like these guys on the street and girls on the street who are asking just random people what their icks are about their partners or about people that they're just interested in, the opposite sex, whatever. And like anything on social media, all of a sudden people start like, oh, that's fun. I want to tell people what my icks are. And then we get list after list after list. And it's hard for me to determine whether or not 
people are being ridiculous just to be funny, or if these are real icks that people have, and as they're sharing them on social media, it's like creating this kind of weird sense of dissatisfaction. And honestly, like the more that I think about it, I'm like, maybe I have some icks that are questionable. Like, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, I'm like, I was really, really, really particular about music taste. Like, you know, that was one of the main questions that I would ask. Like, who's your favorite band? I remember this gorgeous guy. Oh, he was so gorgeous. And he was British. He had this lovely accent. And he, he said Maroon 5. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Like, <laughs> like, we got to keep moving. So I don't know. Like, I kind of feel, all right, all right. Let's, let's, let's see how ridiculous these lists. Okay, they are pretty ridiculous. Okay. Before we get into that, though. Okay. I always thought that, like, unless it was something really, really bad or disgusting, let's say, like, a bodily function or, like, maybe some kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, habit that someone has that subconsciously they're doing that annoys you. I mean, that's just an idiosyncrasy thing that most people kind of just like put up with or else say, hey, you know, honey, you're you're being a little too loud. You're clearing your throat too loud. You're sniffling too much. I mean, there's lots of little things like that. Sure. But yeah, these get really petty. Oh. So let's go to this first one right here. I want to see what your opinion is on this chick. Like, there is nothing more icky than watching a guy walk out of Starbucks with a frappuccino in his hand, like sipping on his green straw. Oh my gosh. Order a black Americano like a man. <laughs> oh, okay. Be a man. Like what? <laughs> Good Lord. Honestly. <laughs> okay. And this is like, you know, cause you have way more experience in this than I do. Right. Um, how much of this is just bullshit for likes? Like, honestly, like that's ridiculous. And good luck. Good luck, sweetie pie. Like, and you talk like, yes. Yeah, so it's good job. hilarious to me because yeah, I, I've been proven wrong so many times though, where I think, oh, this is just someone fucking around, right? This is just someone who's like just talking some shit for likes, but then you go and dive deeper into their page and realize that no, a lot of them aren't just doing this for likes. A lot of them are just really surfacy and superficial. And it's almost like that's become the new norm. And I'm going to get into it later about men versus women, because I found right. something really interesting. The majority of, the, of these are women. And I guess my first question for you as the guest MILF is your circle of friends and you, unlike Diana, have a large circle of female friends. I do. I do. You guys have to talk about this kind of stuff, at least at some level, right? So this is actually really interesting because we just, when you brought up this subject, I was like, oh yeah. So this is, this is a conversation that we have had recently. Uh So we went out of town. We have a mutual friend. Um, One of my friends is dating someone who brought his best friend. His best friend is someone that is very kind, but a little bit misogynistic in his views about things. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that's his resting state. I think it's, you know, he's small town farm boy kind of just wants, you know, a Barbie that is going to cook and clean for him. Right, that's right. his That's his go-to. And it has turned into a huge topic of discussion because he has said some kind of off-putting things that really rubbed me the wrong, me personally, the wrong way. I was, I, I am a 
curvy girl. Like he's so obsessed with petite little blonde. Mm. Like it just yeah, Utah. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and it and it I, like by the end of the weekend, I was like, God, like what is wrong with him? And my friend said, Okay, well, what's the difference between that and you coming in and be saying, I have to have somebody that can renovate my home. I really want, you know, or I want a fix it guy or I want somebody that can, you know, get behind a, a, a car hood or like or under a car hood. Like all of those things are, you know, very common in the female. Right. They, they like I need you to be the traditional male. Why is that any different than a female? So, yeah, I get exactly what you're talking about. And I had this conversation the other day, too. I call it social accountability, right? Mm. Anytime you bring a new person into the group that you're not familiar with, that it's almost like you have to earn your right, right to speak freely. You have to kind of learn what the levels of conversation are before you start maybe offending someone. And most people these days don't give a shit. Like, I think the social accountability on a grand scale on social media, people like try to like not say too much or they say way too much. Sure, sure. But when you're in a group, especially with friends, there is a social accountability where it's like, okay, well, this is not my normal group. It could be. I need to test the waters of what the boundaries of conversation with the boundaries of, of subjectivity are, right? Sure, 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 sure. I think that is usually harder for guys because guys are judged more on what their opinions are than women are. I think that is totally natural, and I think the first step is listening before speaking. Well, and honestly, I mean, this poor guy is just so tone deaf. He doesn't even know what he's saying 99% of the time. So him as a person didn't really rub me the wrong way. It was more just like I finally just had this moment of like, this is not right. And what I've actually come to the conclusion of, and I don't know if I, you know, obviously this is kind of a gray area. But think about a roast, right? Mm -hmm. You don't roast somebody that is like, you know, a failed actor that is, you know, has $2 to his name. Like, it's not as funny, right? right? That just doesn't. So it really is a power dynamic. And I really think that women can get away with being a little more particular about things because of the power dynamic of male versus, versus female, right. right? Just the nature of how things go. Do I think that it's ethical? Probably not, right? Like, I think that that should be something that shifts, but good Lord, like, you know, we there there is a certain level of like, yeah, if you don't take out the trash, when I ask you to take out the trash, it's not a deal breaker for me, but it, it it's nice to just be respectful and kind and do what your right. partner needs yeah. them to do. And I think personal preference is 100% valid. Right. Like, I... I have a particular type of woman that I like. Now, what's funny is that's not always been the type of person I've blended the best with. I have a personal preference like of attraction. That doesn't mean that the personality was there or the dedication to the relationship was mm -hmm. there. In fact, most of the times it wasn't. Mm. Like my personal preference aesthetically was nine times out of 10, the worst thing for me. Oh, I feel too, when talking to Diana, a lot of the time she's had the same thing where, mm. you know, she's a very attractive woman. She can get the high value dudes sure. in appearance, but almost every single time after like a month or so after the comfort zone's gone, they've all been total narcissistic assholes and yeah. douchebags. That's not to say that all high value and attractive men right. are, but the averages don't look good, you know? And I think my friends and I have kind of coined the term potentched, 
You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be potential. So my big thing, and you know, I, I dated gorgeous men. I have to have confidence. If, if you are insecure and I'm constantly coddling your insecurities, no thanks. Right. Mm. So, you know, for me, um, like outward appearance and, and I am kind of the type of girl, like, especially, you know, back in the day, um, high school, Stephanie, I always wanted to go for like the hottest guy in the, but usually it was the biggest douchebag in the room too. Right. And I learned my lesson with a shitty marriage. Right. So, um, I think life (laughs) circumstances teaches you things, but I also think to a huge degree, if you you could be with the most gorgeous man on the planet or gorgeous woman on the planet. And if they don't have the self-assurance and belief system, and we all have insecurities, let's be honest. Right. If they don't have that self-assurance, right? Honestly, that girl, I guarantee would find it so sexy if a guy came up to her and said, fuck you. I like Frappuccinos. Right, right. And maybe that's the game. Here's something too that I think is really interesting as long as we're on the subject of, like you said, wanting someone that can fix the house and and be confident and like they can repair things, fix things, build things. Mm. This is one of the things I've noticed too. And it kind of works both ways where the traditional expectations of a guy, it's like, okay, everyone should change a tire, guy or girl. I think Mm -hmm. that is like a life skill that everyone should have. Yep. But if you are a guy that can't change a tire, I'm not here to like man bash, but it's like, dude, at least get that on your resume, okay? At least learn that one thing. Well, and you can do things outside of your comfort zone for the sake of, you know, like these are life skills that I need to to learn, right? Right, right. But here's the thing where I've gotten burned by this before. I'm usually very confident in building things or putting things together or at least attempting, right? Because I have dated women where it's like, okay, you're going to call a repair guy? Like, yeah, because I'm not skilled to do this because no one really taught me how. I can look it up on a YouTube video and pretty much figure it out. Right. And it's weird that, like, I've gotten so much respect from a partner for, like, building or fixing something or doing some plumbing things by myself. But if I fuck it up, (laughs) if I tried because I'm trying to be the traditional man that they want me to be, but I don't succeed because it's a skill set that is, like, way beyond me and I tried, and I fucked it up, I may as well be wearing, like, a fucking dress. They think that's so emasculating. And I've talked to women who never really have thought about that, but then they go back, like, oh, yeah. Like, let's say he tried to fix a tire, and, like, maybe he stripped the bolt or something. All of a sudden, like, my attraction for him has totally stopped. Now, I've seen it work the other way, too, where it's, like, women, in the traditional sense, have been expected to cook, have been expected to do things around the house and blah, blah, blah. Now, I think that pretty much anything a woman does is attractive. You know, laundry is attractive. Baking is attractive, whatever. But if they mess it up, I don't think that it's like defeminizing them. I don't think that, that, if anything, I think it's cute. It's like, oh, honey, you fucked up the cake. Well, and let's face it. You're an amazing cook. I fucking suck at cooking. It's not a go-to for me. I like entertaining. Mm-hmm. I like to cook when people are there. Mm-hmm. But my go-to is not, I'm going to make myself a five-course meal. Right. That being said, another thing that the girlfriends and I you know, came to terms with, we don't mind cooking and cleaning yeah. and doing. Those are domesticated things that we actually enjoy doing, just don't expect it. 
And I think vice versa, right? If you're like, I could potentially like rip this engine apart and see if I could fix it. <laughs> but honestly, I am good with money and I've saved enough money to pay somebody else to do it. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Pay the person that's going to do the it. Yeah, I think that you get what you pay for. I feel the same way about, you know, skimping on the repairs or the service. You know, it, it, go to the people that have, mm-hmm. it might cost more money, but it's going to cost you less money and time than having someone do a shitty job or you fucking up a home repair. Well, and frankly, you guys, in this day and age, everybody needs to work. Keep them working, yeah, right? I AI agree. is freaking me out. So <laughs> go go out there and let them fix your car. I also want to point out, you guys, I don't know. They probably can't see. There's a Murphy's bed in be- behind that closet, right? Mm-hmm. This man put this whole thing together. He did the flooring. I actually need advice on flooring after Ooh. our little episode here, Antonio. So don't sit here and pretend that you don't know how to do all the things because you know how to do all the things. That's what's attractive is that there's. It's it's like I have a problem and I'm going to fix the problem and come up with a solution. Now, on the flip side of that, I have a really good friend that, um, on you know, unfortunately just divorced someone that she really loves. He's a really good guy. He can fix anything. anything. He's amazing, but he doesn't know how to emote. Mm. So sorry. Like, you know, there's, there's so many different transactions there. I had my ex-husband could fix anything, but it was always Jimmy rigged. Like it was right. always just barely hanging on. And it was like, Oh, goody. Like, like it, how many more days is this going to last exactly. before I'm actually calling the exactly. guy that knows how to do it? Exactly. <laughs> or like 700 unfinished projects because he was missing the thing, you know? So anyways. How about this one? Take a second, a guy. Like when they... No. Okay. Say it. Say no, it. No, no, no. That was so mean. Don't I was going to say, if they're like really nice, it's such an egg. <laughs> if they're really nice. It's such a nick. No wonder I had a hard time finding love. I'm too fucking nice. Diana calls me a simp, and we ironically say I'm a simp. I'm a simp in many ways. I think there's a lot of ways I'm not because I have a very low tolerance for bullshit. But if it's worth it, I can like sift through the bullshit. But um, no, not for me on this one. What do you think? Okay, so devil's advocate because remember I was talking about you know all girls love the asshole, right? All girls love now. There's a difference between you are just a genuinely kind person mm-hmm. and anything you want, I'll do anything you say. That's when it turns into have a backbone. Push right. up. I mean, you know, Steve and I have very different political views mm-hmm. or, um, you know, like even just like the way we raise our kids. Sorry, I keep mm-hmm. putting in that. Um, even the way we raise our kids or like... And there are moments where I'm like, push back. Like if you, if you, I I find that attractive. So there's a difference between you're just, I mean, and he's a kind person at, Mm -hmm. at his, at his core, but he knows who he is and that's attractive. So again, I'm not saying I agree and also ick, but you know, there's, (laughs) there's, there's a degree of, I remember there's this kid I dated in high school. Sorry, fans. I dated in high school met my ex-husband and then started dating again like four years ago. So I don't have like a ton of, you know, laundry list of dating experience, but there's a kid I dated in high school, nicest kid, sponsored uh, skier and climber, like just we had so much in common. He didn't know how to say no to me and Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. 
is that being too nice or is that just being too pliant? Because I think those are two different things. I mean, I'm a very, very, very nice guy, and I've been told I've been too nice also. I think when that's changed is when arguments arise or confrontations or disagreements, because I bring what I consider like the logical explanations to things. Mm. And I'm not saying that girls are stupid. I'm saying the girls that I dated did not know how to have conversations logically. Right. And so if I brought like facts to the table or if I brought, let's say, big words and I wasn't trying to, like I said, make them look stupid or sound stupid. Once they didn't have anything else to say, it either went two different directions. Either one was they would just shut down and do the quiet mode and, you know, radio silence for a couple of days. Sure. Or the attraction level got bigger because they realized that I wasn't just a nice guy that said yes to everything. Sure. Sure. If you said some dumb shit, I would tell you that it was dumb. And I would tell you that this is why I think you're wrong. And maybe this is a learning opportunity for both of us. But it doesn't mean that you would get a free pass just talking shit and nonsense to anybody you felt. And because you were a girl, it made you feel like you could get away with it. You know, once I turned that level on, it felt like either a radio silence or the attraction level went up. Probably because they were not used to being spoken to or having a conversation like that well you know and to be fair and and to be fair like you know again come like being just compliant and like rolling over and taking it is not attractive whether you're a male or a female right Mm -hmm. did you hear me women push back (laughs) be strong like you know hold your own because if you're with somebody that's expecting that out of you you're not with the right person. And 99% of the time, maybe there's some antiquated old fashioned relationships where that's a, that's a good mix. And, you know, she wants to be someone's servant. Other than that, you guys, I, I have watched, I'm, you know, 40 now I've watched so many of my friends get divorced. That is the thing is I didn't push back enough. I didn't stand up for myself. I lost myself along the way and it all fell apart. Um, so anyways, yeah, I think it's healthy to push back. I think it's healthy to push back and let your partner, which either direction it goes, know that you've pushed a boundary right. and then you've set a boundary. Right. And, and in a way, it's almost like, you know, unlocking the next level, like next level achieved. Right. And because it doesn't have to stay the same. And I think that's one of the things that everyone makes a mistake on in relationships when they're young and when they're right. older is that becoming complacent mm-hmm. in your relationship that doesn't really solve anything. Especially if it goes against your core values. Mm, Yeah. It's one thing to be like, I don't like pepperoni pizza, (laughs) you know, like there's stupid things like that. But if they are like pushing every limit that you have in what you feel is ethically right, like it's, it's never going to work. So, I mean, to that girl's point, going back to this friend that was, Mm. you know, that went on that trip with us. This is a dude that thinks that if he takes them to a five-star restaurant and then takes them to the symphony and then shows up with a horse and carriage, and I'm not exaggerating, he thinks that's how he's going to get a woman. Mm -hmm. And they all run screaming. They're Mm -hmm. terrified of his level of attentiveness, especially because 
I know he doesn't make that kind of money. Right. right? You take him on one date like that. And then after that, it's like, so when are you going to cook me dinner? Like right. that's not, that's not how this works. Right. And obviously I'm, I, that's a, that is an extreme example, but I would so much rather a guy come up to me and just be like, listen, I am on a strict ass budget, but I really, really like you. Let's go and let's just talk at the park and listen to a, a speaker and you know have mm -hmm. a charcuterie board like whatever right that is so much more appealing than i am mr nice guy look at right look at this life i will give you on a silver platter because it's fake yeah but that level of expectation comes with maturity you know oh, like totally. yeah you can't really play that i'm not gonna say that all young girls and all young dudes a lot of them are surfacy because we live in a world now where you have to be. Right. Diana talked about this with social media and with Tinder where it's like it's taught us how to lie oh. better. Tinder and all these dating apps have taught us how to lie and project who we really aren't just so we can get the fish, right? Sure. Just so we can catch the prey. And it takes, I'm going to say conservatively, 20 years of dating oh, yeah. and getting fucked around before you realize that that oh, yeah. shit's really not important. And it's weird because, you know, by doing that, if you are not like you and I, you know, divorced parents with kids. Right. right. That's why there's this red pill mentality saying, okay, well, women over 35 are expired because they've missed the window. Well, yeah, because we raised these generations right. to have these expectations that aren't realistic. And P.S., like, let's look at, you know, Victorian era. If they made it to 23, they missed the window, right? Right, because like, you're dead at fucking 40. <laughs> you and I would be dead. We would. We would. And I mean, honestly, like, you know, there's this imaginary line that everyone's always chasing. And it's, and it's completely not fair. Now, the one thing that I have learned, you know, because I did, like, I started dating, like, really dating in the real world post having babies and like I didn't have the dancer body that I you know mm -hmm. all of the things that come up along the way if you are dating anyone that is worth their salt they don't give a fuck I agree I think it's great so this one makes me sad I want you to oh boy hear this one I'm calling in about my boyfriend he was in a major accident recently with like this car and like you know his body was like flailing around in the air and everything and like he's okay but it did kind of give me the ick okay. what <laughs> like the imagery of that like there's like something flat was there somebody flailing around in the background of that um no but oh. like that was just stock footage oh gotcha okay I was essentially like she was saying that her boyfriend who got in a car wreck and she saw his body flail that was unattractive <laughs> that gave her the ick. Good Lord. Um, okay, so here's something that I I genuinely want to put out there. Because I've thought about starting a TikTok or I've thought about starting an Instagram. You and I have talked about this. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a lot of life experience. I know a lot of groovy people. Let's talk about things. Do we think that we are giving narcissistic egotistic, mentally ill people a platform to, to spread their illness, honestly, because that is... This is a good point, and this is something that Diane and I talk about all the time. Anyone can have a platform these right. days if they want it. And what we talk about on this show is how we don't support a platform. We don't, like, very rarely do you hear us 
put on someone that we actually admire. Sure. Because they've already built their platform. We don't need to help them. No, right, right. So stuff like this while we're doing this episode is, hey, you know what? There are people that feel this way and think this way and make videos like this and TikToks like this. It's our opportunity to deconstruct it, right? And right. to have an honest discourse about it. Because who knows? I could have brought someone on the show who is like, oh, yeah, I agree with all these people. <laughs> but you, my no. friend, my sister in logic, don't. No. You know? And that's what I think. No, we're not creating a platform oh. for these people. It's also why I don't show these videos. It's also why I don't tell people right. who these people are. Because, you know, sometimes. You don't highlight it. I guess my point is, is at, at what point... Okay, so that girl, right? She's she's got issues. Right. Um, there's there's no ifs ands or buts about that. Also, um, her poor boyfriend needs to get the fuck out of that right. relationship. But you know, I was married to somebody that had you know by the end of our marriage, he was on disability. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of physical ailments, and I watched him deteriorate in front of my eyes. You know, for however many years he went from this, you know, big football player guy to just a shell of who he was. And one of the main things, one of the main things on the counterpart of that is I was like, how do I end a marriage? He was an asshole. Like it mm -hmm. just, it wasn't going to work. How do I end a marriage with a sick person? Right. So on the flip side of that, you know, there is a, some level of, you know, when you're with somebody and you feel like you're their caretaker and you feel like you need to like that, that's not healthy either. You, anybody should be able to leave at any point and that girl should leave, go to therapy, figure out why she <laughs> is disgusted by a poor person that got in a car. Like, obviously she, you know, yeah. The, the superhero complex of like men are supposed to hold it together under any circumstances mm -hmm. is some, there's some toxic masculinity in her past, 100%. I once heard a very popular comedian and podcaster say that she was absolutely in love with this dude, right? Tall, handsome, rugged, movie star person. They dated for like a year or two. And then one day she saw him trip and fall down and stumble. And she said, the second he like stumbled to get up, every piece of attraction, every piece of like sexual chemistry that we had was gone. Wow. In an instant. And it, when you hear stuff like that, it does make you as a man feel self-conscious. But then also, I can't help but think this would work the other way too, where a dude could totally be like, oh, you know, so you hurt your back and now you're gaining weight and now you can't be like right. the hot person anymore, blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm going to go find something for me every relationship, every friendship is a gamble because, you know, you both invest in mm -hmm. something and all of a sudden if something, whether it's your fault or not happens and you can't bring, let's say, sexual energy or attractive energy or just, you know, physical prowess to right. the game, it can change. I'm not saying that either person is bad in this situation. I think it's all subjective, but I think it's something that everyone kind of has to prepare for in their mind and, and my, Diane and I talked about this, where it's like, you can't be too prepared because then you're manifesting things to happen. Like, if you keep a back door open in your relationship, then you're manifesting a reason to use the back door. Okay, okay. I, I'm saying the, the expectation kind of needs to be there that someone could easily not want to be with you anymore because of an ailment or because of something like that, which sucks, 
but it's kind of true. It kind of does happen more often so than I think it's is, comfortable. Th- this is the second part of this conversation that I've had with my girlfriends where they were like, why is it what he's saying is rubbing you so wrong, right? Mm-hmm. In this, you know, back to this this person. And I was like, I was like, I don't know, but I just find it so repulsive. And I feel like I need to stand up for all women. And they were like, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't have these issues. Maybe you need to check yourself in your vanity. Like maybe there's a, cause you know, we're all aging. We're all getting older. Our bodies are not the same. Our faces are not the same. At what point do can, do you let that go and go, I have worth outside of my physical appearance. And my point was one of my friends is extremely athletic, like sponsored snowboarder. She's amazing. I'm like, if she had a stroke, and the whole left side of her body didn't work anymore. And she's limping around and some dude is standing there going, I mean, dude, woman, whatever her whatever. sexual preference is, is saying, oh, I could never date somebody that is, you know, not able to keep up with me physically and blah, blah, blah. Of course, that's going to sting. Mm-hmm. I don't even necessarily think that it's vanity at that point. It's what you feel your identity is. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I feel like my looks are my identity, but you know, to a certain, to a certain degree, like, you know, when do we say, you know, okay, somebody's diagnosed with MS and they can't work anymore mm-hmm. and they lose everything. And they, um, this is a very exaggerated version of this, but you know, and, and, and they, they fall apart. Like, do you leave that person? Do you walk away and go, sorry, you're not the person that you once were, mm-hmm. or do you stick through it? And I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. You, uh, you have a partner that gets in an accident mm-hmm. and they become a uh, quadriplegic, but completely have their brain still. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they have brain damage, but are able to keep their physical appearance. Which would I prefer or would I stick through both? Is that what you, what's the question? Which would you prefer? Oh goodness. You know, it, it's a hard question to ask because I would prefer neither. Right. Right. But- right. I'll, I'll follow it up with a two-way answer. Number one, regardless of which one it is, I'm sticking through it. Okay. Um, that's just me. That's who I am. I am a caregiver. Sure, I am you a are. compassionate person. You are. I would say the mind for me is the most important thing than the body because I have a much deeper connection with anybody. Physical is is waning. Exactly. Physical wanes, right? Exactly. But- I have more compassion for people that, let's say, have memory loss mm-hmm. or dementia or even people who over time have developed like weird personality traits mm-hmm. that aren't what you were used to. Right. I have more compassion for that. And therefore, I am more able to mold myself into what they need out of me. Oh, so you're saying that you would do the... The physical person, the person that kept their physical appearance. No, no, no. I, oh, I, oh, gotcha. You get, you get. I'm saying that I would rather be with a person who could keep their mental gotcha. acuity to Fa- them and faculties. Gotcha. Okay. But I would be more supportive to someone who started losing their mental gotcha. facilities because that is harder. You know, so and they need more help with that. I have asked this question to many, many, many people. Mm-hmm. I would say 95% of the people say mental. Just FYI to the to the world out there. Like it it really is a thing. Mm-hmm. So all these icks, all these people and their superficial <laughs> nonsense, 
I think if you are with somebody that is worth your time, I think most people would say that. And here's the other thing too, before I play the last one, before sure. we get into our love guru. We live in a world that is so full of manufactured tragedy. Like we create problems for ourselves because we really do live in a world that's super easy. Easy. Now, financially, things are getting worse, 100%. I will not even like touch that subject because it's so controversial, but it's true. But so many people create their own problems for themselves that these icks are now like on their list of things that are big because it's a manufactured tragedy. Right. The way I feel like a lot of people's outrage is manufactured. I think a lot of people aren't born with outrage. They learn it from social media. Um, they learn it from yeah. Fox News. They learn it from CNN or whatever. We, yeah. we are meant to be survivors. And when you live in a society where surviving is actually pretty easy, even for like certain members of our homeless population and unhoused population, yeah. I mean, think about it. They have programs that... Yeah, they didn't used to have. I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm saying that we now live in a society where it's like really hard to die unless you do something to yourself or someone does something terribly to you. Right. That we create our own strategy. We create our own outrage. And it's really, really prominent in the younger generation. Well, and you know, you know my story, but my ex has been a lot of his physical ailments could have been prevented with mm -hmm. better care of himself. Right. So there was a lot of resentment in that, right? Um, but I think I think at the end of the day, too, and 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 I like you know what you said that like it is easier to survive. I'm gonna pull it back if you have the finances to make it happen. If you have the finances, or if you have the support group, exactly the and community, the community, and that's the thing is like I think so many people are so just non committed to even some of their best friends where they can let a political opinion destroy mm -hmm. their friendship 100 where they can let a, a simple opinion about a boyfriend or a girlfriend or right. someone they're attracted to affect their entire right. friendship you know I, I have so many friends that at certain points we've disagreed on things and we just took a break we had a cool off period mm. and then we can get back together and like okay, we're not going to talk about that anymore. We're going to go back to being friends. Sometimes you just need a cooling off period, but oh my God, this generation behind you and I, and like yeah. the one below that too, like millennial Gen Z, mm -hmm. they are so final about everything. Everything has to be I've a slam that. the door shut conversation. And I'm never talking to you again. I've noticed that. My daughter does that. I have a 17 year old. She has like breakups with friends. I was like, you don't have to like, hate each other you just don't have to hang out with each other right. anymore like it's okay to just be like cool we're cool peace and you just go and find different friends like it's not you know I am a weirdo and have the same childhood friends that I've had my whole life mm -hmm. and I friends are really really important to me um and because of that I feel like as an adult, I have learned conflict resolution mm. in a very mature way. Half of my friends are still religious. Half of us aren't. We live very different lives and we're very open and accepting of each other because we did the work as, mm. as youth together. And I think if we don't teach our children how, I mean, obviously you don't want them to stay in toxic relationships, but all teenagers are toxic. Sorry. <laughs> That's just how it works. All right. Let's play this last one for the day. 
The worst text to send a girl. The morning text. Good morning, sweetheart. How are you doing? Hope you slept well. You're basically saying you're a simp. That text is not masculine. That is not a good text. It shows needy. It just shows that like, oh, I was thinking about you and I was hoping your morning was going well. That's not. <laughs> oh, laws. Um. Okay, I'm, I'm, it, it is very apparent that dating has turned into even more of a game than it used to be. That's like the whole point of this podcast. When Diane and I started, it's like, when did this turn into a game? When did this fucking turn into a game of Uno where I'm like, I have to reverse flip you on every move. And we're always trying to outsmart each other. And I think it's funny because we're all a bunch of fucking idiots. Idiots. And we're all trying to outsmart the other idiot. It's not that hard. And that's why we create stuff like this. It's ridiculous because I have dated people like this where it's like, you're you can't easy. win. Well, no. you know, you can't win. Well, no, I'm going need... to text you good morning. Ugh, you text me good morning. But if I don't text you, oh, what the fuck are you doing that you don't have the time to text me? And the older version of me after I got out of my marriage when I was still trying to figure out what the dating world was like would fucking fall for it. Like, oh, what am I, what am I supposed to do? You know what was easier? Okay, I'm going to let you fucking wait. And then you text me when you want to talk. And if that text is negative, then I'm going to make you wait another fucking day. But again, again. But it's not playing the game. Okay. It is letting them know that I'm not here to play games. It's At like, that point, I would just be like, you're a waste of my time. Right. When Steve and I first met each other, one of the first things he said to me was, just so you know, I love the chase. I think it's a blast. I think flirting's a blast. I think, but the one thing that I cannot stand over even that, right? As much as you know him, he's mm -hmm. your best friend. You know that he, he loves the chase. He's like, I don't play games. I will not mind read. If you're having an issue, please just tell me. And it has set a precedent in our relationship. We're almost at four years now mm -hmm. where if I have a problem, whether sometimes I'm like, this is really irrational and probably not even that big of a deal. But the fact that I have a safe place to come to mm -hmm. and I don't have to like, what does that mean? And puzzle it all out. Oh my God. I am so sorry. Um, I don't have to puzzle it all out. I don't have to, you know, um, like read his mind, vice versa. It's very authentic, frankly, to the point that like, it's so refreshing. Sometimes it can get kind of boring because there's no like, unanswered, you know, I wonder what Steve is thinking. I know exactly what he's thinking. He knows exactly what I'm thinking. And well, like for two people that were stuck in kind of, you know, maladaptive relationships, we're like, we need a little more drama here. Like it's <laughs> right, right. It's, you know, but at, at the end of the date, that that's what you're looking for. I really think that's one thing that um, people in the dating world should go into is um, you know, just an open conversation about games and how do you feel about games? And, you know, just so you know, like I am the type of person that loves to check in on you in the morning and see how your day is. Not because I, you know, am like trying to string you along or, but because or I check in with you then to see if you're not texting someone else or someone else is texting right. you. Like there's like, no, yeah. it's just an authentic, I just really want to see how you're doing. Cause I care about you. And that's what people that you know, and not, you know, obviously I'm interested in you. I find you attractive, whatever. I am authentically coming to you, asking you how you're doing this morning. No, you know, like secret agenda. 
come at me with a secret, no secret, secret agenda back and you're going to have way more success in life, whether it's dating or not, (laughs) know that you're not having cryptic conversations with people all the time. Most of us are not sitting there like puzzling out. Like if I say it this certain specific way, it's going to be mysterious and it's going to, you know, like put that feather out there. That's going to just keep them tantalized. Like, no, like, right. Most of us are having genuine conversations and we're saying things back, you know, every once in a while you'll go to your girlfriends and go, how am I supposed to reply to this? For the most part, we're all just doing our best. Like stop puzzling it out. That's my big opinion. <laughs> Before we wrap it up for the day, I think one of the things that you said that I want to jump in on, cause I think it's really interesting is the fact that, you know, you said, you know, things getting boring. One thing I've learned, especially in this current relationship, which mm-hmm. I'm just madly in love with is I always like dated high energy people Mm. and I had to face the fact that I'm not high energy. I'm Mm. not, I'm very mellow. I'm very chill. My high energy was manufactured to stay with the person that I shouldn't have even been with. What I love about this relationship is like, yeah, sometimes it kind of does feel boring. And Diana and I have this conversation because Diana has this thing where things get stagnant or boring. It's like her cue to like, okay, I have to find something more exciting. The reason why I think boring is good is because you can always take a break from boring, Mm -hmm. right? But if you're in a constant level of high energy, roller coaster, all you can't bring that level down because one of you is going to think that the other one is now not up to your standard of energy. Well, honestly, like, you know, and when our resting state is always safe and always secure, right? Like, you know how crazy we are. We are, we, we are we match each other's energy really, really well that way. But you know, his birthday was on, was on Friday Mm -hmm. and we, you know, we talked about doing this and that and whatever. And he really was like, honestly, I would love to just veg with you. We have a huge weekend coming (laughs) ahead. I just want to, and it was kind of refreshing to be like, Oh, he doesn't need me to like wine and dine and like do back handsprings for him. Like he, he just, he's content enough with my company And frankly, yeah, you can always seek out excitement. Well, this was a lot of fun. It was fun having you on the show. We're going to have you back again in a little bit. And it's good to get another like viewpoint than just Diana's because Diana and I, we have a thing, right? We're very in tune with each other. I know you very well, but I'm not as close to you as I am with her. So sometimes I don't know what your response is going to be. I don't know what your opinion is going to be. And it's really exciting. I told her that this was going to make me a better host and a better conversationalist because nine times out of 10, I know exactly what the fuck she's going to say. Right, right. <laughs> but right. yeah. Like you get used to each other. It's like that boring relationship. It's like the boring relationship. There you can is. always tone it up a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm excited too because you know, we're kind of working on something for you. We're trying to develop a podcast for you. So you can start sharpening your podcast <laughs> skills while you're here. And I think that's going to be I a feel kind of bad because like total, like I was starving on my way here mm. and I reach in my and I had bought my daughter peanut butter M&M's and I feel like my head's kind of fuzzy on a sugar rush. So if I sound like I'm like skipping words, it's because I'm a little buzzed on candy. (laughs) You got that sugar rush. (laughs) I think you sound great. And it's been a blast.
Well, that's it for this episode of The Milf and Me with our special guest MILF, Stephanie. Can't wait to see you again. So everyone, Diana says hi. She misses you. Feel free to reach out to her at themilfandmepod at gmail.com. Reach us on our socials. I know she's watching. And we'll just see you next week. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys.